Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Some people will tell you that multitasking is not really possible and therefore not a very effective strategy for like efficiency. You can't really do two things at once. And perhaps that's true in life, broadly speaking. But for the next couple of minutes, at least, we're going to demonstrate that you can sort of do two things at once because we on this show to kick things off today are going to do two things at once. We are going to continue what we have been doing a lot this week, which is finding reasons to make fun of Auburn. But we're going to use that as a way of making kind of a serious point about Georgia on the field for Saturday. Let me begin this way. Charles Barkley, one of the most notable Auburn uh, former athletes, graduates of the program, made an appearance this week on a show in Alabama. It's called The Next Round Live. And he was talking about a lot of different things. He's talking about the Georgia-Auburn rivalry and how you know, basically kind of downplayed that. Seems like on the Auburn side, there's been a lot of downplaying of the Georgia-Auburn rivalry this week. Perhaps you do that when you've won so infrequently. But nonetheless, Barkley became the latest to kind of do that. But he also sort of veered into what he thought about Auburn coach Hugh Freeze. And there was this moment a couple of weeks ago where Hugh Freeze was – and Freeze is very outspoken about his faith. Freeze has not always lived uh, a perfect you know, personal life. Neither None of us have. But he's, in the midst of all that, been very outspoken about his faith. And so he was part of a baptism ceremony for a number of his – Auburn players and uh, Charles Barkley kind of used that as a way of kind of making a joke about what he sees right now some issues with Auburn at the quarterback position I don't think there's anything mean-spirited about this on the part of Barkley I think he's just sort of making an off-the-cuff comment but since we like making fun of Auburn this will give us a chance to do a little bit of that Barkley not happy at all with the Auburn quarterback play right now this is what Sir Charles said on the next round live here this week if y'all going to be down there baptizing people, please pray for us better quarterback players. <laughs> let's, get, let's get these three quarterbacks and baptize them, and maybe the Lord can make them play better because you, you, the one thing you can't do as a coach, you can't have your quarterback playing scared. You can't have your quarterback playing scared or looking over his shoulders. You can't play three quarterbacks. You can't play two quarterbacks because the, that's the most important position in sports. But the number one thing you have to have as a player is confidence in yourself to make good plays and bad plays. If you are scared to make bad plays, you can't make good plays. And right now they're in no man's land. So obviously Barkley's not, you know, mean-spirited there. He's not making fun of Freeze's faith or anybody else's faith. He, I think, if anything, he's just making fun of the Auburn quarterback situation and what has been a pretty dire performance from that group thus far this year. You've got some of Robbie Ashford. You've got Peyton Thorne, who transfers over from Michigan State. We knew that Thorne was somewhat limited, but also among the very best options available in the transfer portal. There just wasn't a lot of happy shoppers in the transfer portals uh, in the transfer portal when it comes to looking for a quarterback here this year. Auburn probably got the best you know guy out of the the portal they could possibly get but he's obviously pretty limited so this year Auburn therefore has been pretty limited in offense there too between what Thorne hasn't really been able to give you the athleticism of Robbie Ashford but he's somewhat limited as a thrower you've got Holden Garner there as well who is from the state of Georgia over in Savannah and Benedictine but he's obviously at this point in his career not quite ready to kind of take the reins there either this situation where Freeze has tried a multiple number of quarterbacks and yet really hasn't found anybody yet 
that really fits the bill for uh, what Auburn needs. Barkley says, "Hey, you got to find one of these guys. You got to you got to choose him. You got to pick him, and then stick with him because these guys are looking over their shoulder right now." I'm sure if Freeze wanted to respond to Barkley, he'd probably say, "Well, listen." Chuck I would pick one of these guys if one of these guys would give me a reason to pick him but right now they are all just showing their limitations on kind of a game by game basis and it's kind of funny if you're a Georgia fan to hear a guy like Barkley making fun of his alma mater making fun of the quarterback situation they have right now but it also kind of leads us into a more serious point about this game on Saturday that I really think this game is the perfect opportunity for this Georgia defense, who thus far this year, the Georgia defense, perhaps a little bit like the team overall, has been good. It's probably been fine, but it hasn't been just dominant the way we've come to expect Georgia as a program to be and has been over the course of the last couple of years. This is a Georgia team thus far through a third of the regular season, the four games that have been played, stopping just south of being you know, that kind of overwhelming dominance, the kind of we're so good we make you not want to play us anymore type way that Georgia's sort of been for its last two national championship seasons. Georgia's not quite been that yet this year. We'll find out soon if there are going to be that before the year is done, but they haven't at least been that yet. And perhaps the defense, as much as anything, has kind of been where that's been true. But Saturday, I believe, provides an opportunity for Georgia to reintroduce itself from a defensive standpoint about exactly what it is and kind of pick on a program that's having its offensive issues. If you watched the Texas A&M game last Saturday, you saw that. If you stayed up late a couple of weeks ago and saw them travel out to Cal and play uh, the Cal Bears, you also saw that too. This is an Auburn team that has some offensive limitations. This is a chance for the Georgia defense to feast and to get fat, beaten up on a team that probably doesn't belong on the same field as they do. And I think that's important for Georgia here right now, especially knowing you've got a starting quarterback on the other side who's starting for the very first time on the road and everything that kind of goes along with that. So with that in mind, Kirby Smart gave us a little bit of an evaluation on Tuesday night about exactly where he thinks his defense is here at this point. It's wide range. It's pretty interesting. Kirby Smart deep dive on his current evaluation of his Georgia defense. I think it's been really good in spurts and it's been really poor in spurts. I think that's a common theme is the, the consistency and performance. And like it's not game by game, it's sometimes series by series. And uh, we have had the fortune of playing a lot of players. Uh, so that's, that's good. You gain depth doing that. Um, we've played really dominant at times, uh, sometimes against inferior opponents. Uh, and then we've had, uh, you know, I mean, look, there's nobody, our standard of defense here is so high that what we consider good play versus other people, it may be viewed different. I mean, we we play against good thrower and good good pass catchers, you're going to give up some plays, man. You you, you, you got to accept that. But it's, it's what you how you respond to those that's more important. So our swarm to the ball, I think, has been good. I like how their guys fly around. I, I love how they play. I love the passion they play with. Controlling the line of scrimmage is something that, that we have to do. Like, if we don't do that, that's the bare minimal. So Smart talks about playing against a, th- a good thrower and some good pass catchers and that impacting the way that this Georgia defense is viewed. And I want to zero in on that for a moment because I believe there's actually hiding in plain sight here a pretty positive evaluation of the Georgia defense to be found. And if you're the kind of person like me, I mean, generally speaking, when I have a chance to be optimistic about something that's just my preferred worldview, 
And I think that there is an opportunity for real optimism about the Georgia defense looking at what this team has done through four games. As Smart said, some of what's happened here has been either beaten up on weaker competition or perhaps being disinterested in weaker competition. I think for the most part, you can eliminate all that from discussion. I'm not quite so sure the good moments or the bad moments from any of those games really add up to mean anything. But the South Carolina game is a game in which I think you can make some pretty interesting evaluations. And to the extent that people have some questions about the Georgia defense right now, to the extent that people have, if you're a Georgia fan, some concerns about this defense right now, some of this centers around the fact that Spencer Rattler in that first half against Georgia a couple of weeks ago, 16 of 18, 152 yards and a touchdown thrown right there in the first half. But at this particular moment, I think you'd have to say, that Rattler is probably the best quarterback in the SEC. In fact, there may not be a probably to it. Rattler is among the best quarterbacks in the country here right now. I think that through four games, to my eyes, he has clearly been the best quarterback in this league here thus far. He's second in the SEC in uh, completion percentage. He's second in the SEC in passing yards per game. And his other stats would be much higher had he not played Georgia when he did. And that's kind of the point that I'm getting to here for a moment. That if we agree that right now Rattler is having a very good year for South Carolina, and I believe he shows some of that uh, on the field this Saturday once again against Tennessee, that if we agree that Rattler is having a very good year, You cannot discount what Georgia did to Spencer Rattler in the second half. This has been on my mind a lot this week. I think I alluded to this yesterday on the show. It's one of those things I sort of think about, that if we operate on the assumption, as I've said before, that success leaves clues, that great accomplishments are usually foreshadowed by some sort of hint about what can happen, the Georgia second half performance against Spencer Rattler may turn out to be one of those things. For as good as Rattler has been, as good as he was against Georgia in the first half, the second half a couple of weeks ago, just 6 of 24 passing, just 104 yards passing, two interceptions, three total sacks against Rattler in the game. That's the Georgia defense showing you what it can be. And you may say, well, South Carolina's not that great of a team. Georgia's going to play better teams than that this year. Perhaps that's true. It obviously seems to be true. But Rattler himself may be as good a quarterback as Georgia sees at any point in time, at least in the regular season, until you start looking ahead to the postseason. Do you see a quarterback that's perhaps better than what Rattler is right now? And Georgia, after getting off to a little bit of a slow defensive start against him, absolutely clamped it down and absolutely asserted itself in a very big way in that second half. And that's one of the things that propelled Georgia to that second half comeback and ultimately a win against the Gamecocks so keep that in mind that Georgia has already even if it was just a brief moment a short stint but Georgia has shown you what it can be defensively I was very happy with how it got after Spencer Rattler in the second half a couple of weeks ago and I do believe that can be kind of a foundation for what Georgia can do the rest of the way And on Saturday, it seems like it's a great time to show it. Now, Kirby Smart will say, hey, be careful with these Auburn quarterbacks. Even though Charles Barkley jokes about them not being very good, while they are not accomplished throwers, you know, at least in the case of Robbie Ashford, he can really run around, and these guys doing stuff with their legs makes them dangerous. Be that as it may, it's still an opportunity for a Georgia defense to go out there and dominate a team right now that's having a hard time scoring. And watch and see how the mood changes here. If Georgia can play for a full game against Auburn, a little bit more like it played the second half a couple of weeks ago in South Carolina, then all of a sudden that might be the kind of thing where you see the vibe start to change and Georgia fans start to speak with a little bit more confidence about their defense. Maybe the Georgia defense feeds off that confidence. And as Georgia rolls into kind of a stretch drive of the season, you've got four current ranked opponents on your schedule over the course of the next few weeks after this. It gets pretty interesting and pretty serious for Georgia here. 
moving into that phase of the season with a defense that's kind of getting some confidence and playing the way we expected to play that would be a very valuable asset and the next step towards making that happen I believe comes on the road Saturday at Auburn my name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans we are presented today by Meriwether and Tharp and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today uh, we start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. across video platforms. After that, all of them. You can find us pretty much everywhere. We're glad you do. Radio on Athens, Sports Radio 960, The Raft Podcast, all the podcast platforms there as well. We just work as hard as we can to make this show as available as possible in as many ways as possible. And we're just thankful you pick one and you choose to be with us for. We're also thankful to our friends at Merriweather and Tharp for making today's show possible. And I realize. The thing that Merriweather and Tharp specializes in is sort of a conversation that kind of creates some negative emotions in a lot of people. We're talking about divorce, and we obviously understand why divorce brings that out. I get all of that. I really do. And I don't sugarcoat the idea that if you go through the divorce process, that's probably one of the most challenging and and, and testing things you're going to ever have to go through. But for many of you, what you've discovered is that while it's not what you would have chosen for yourself, and it's certainly not what you want, it is a reality that must be confronted. And so the reason why I am so uh, enthusiastic about recommending Meriwether and Tharp to you if you find yourself in this situation is because it's one of the most gracious and uh, and kind gifts you can ever give to somebody in a situation like this to say, if you are in circumstances perhaps you did not choose and you are not quite so sure how to navigate your way through it, let me give you a strong advocate who can see beyond what you're capable of seeing and know things that at this particular time you're not capable of knowing. And they're going to guide you. They're going to give you a plan. They're going to put you on a path to set you up for a happy and joyous and successful next season of your life one of the nicest things that you can do for anyone is what Meriwether and Tharp does for you if you find yourself in these tough circumstances here right now so please go find them online it's the Atlanta divorce team.com that's the Atlanta divorce team.com Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce have a free initial consultation talk to them about your situation let them tell you what comes next online the Atlanta divorce team.com Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we are going to talk to Terrence Edwards here in a moment. That's going to be fun. Also, former Georgia quarterback Dylan Riola was on before the Hedges last night. I'm going to pull out a couple of things that Riola said in that interview that I think are worth you hearing. We'll do that today before we are done as well. But prior to that, though, let us go around the doghouse. Presented today by Serve Pro. Now, the mood of our conversation is going to change a little bit right now. I start the show by saying, hey, I actually feel pretty good about the Georgia defense and I feel like the Georgia defense has shown you something and I feel like that they may build on that on Saturday and I think when it's all said and done Georgia's going to be pretty close to what we expect a Georgia defense to be by the time the year is done and one of the reasons why you can say that is because of the long track record that Georgia has of defensive success perhaps you could also say something similar about the Georgia offense after all they seem to play much better last week against UAB but I want to be honest with you here for a minute there is an aspect of which that I think that Georgia needs some real improvement in one key category going into Saturday's game against Auburn I think it's important to speak in kind of realistic terms about the task that kind of awaits Georgia both this particular week and also moving forward there as well and while I think it's probably going to be fine I don't know that I quite have the same level of optimism right now for Georgia in this particular issue on offense that I perhaps do for the defense finding its footing against Auburn and then taking it forward going after that what I'm talking about is Georgia's ability to generate explosive plays now 
we've said before that different coaches have sort of different definitions of this on our show we typically kind of look at just plays of 20 or more yards that's a simple thing it's easy to understand uh it's obviously easier to accomplish a 20 yard pass and it's a 20 yard run but one of the reasons why we've kind of fixated on this is because last year that was what george was better than at anybody in the country no one was better at georgia than producing those 20 plus yard plays georgia had 98 of them a year ago Kirby Smart in his press conference on Tuesday night kind of get into that got into that subject as it relates to Georgia here a little bit in terms of their definition of what's an explosive run or what's an explosive pass it's kind of changed a little bit and sometimes it evolves and different programs use different numbers on that we've told you that before but specifically this is what Kirby Smart said about the philosophy their program has about explosive plays here right now it's not necessarily how many of them they have it's how many they produce on offense compared to how many they give up on defense the word smart uses for that is differential this is what smart said about that on tuesday a little bit of a insight into his thought process here is kirby smart it's differential more than anything so we're not even leading the sec in differential the way we do ours kentucky actually is um, we've given up slightly fewer than them but they've gotten slightly more than us so the differential is just like one or two ahead and last year we were second almost the whole year to uh, Ole Miss because of all the explosives they've had so Ole Miss is actually the one that that sent the chart to us and I kind of fell in love with it because it it showed a greater indicator of who won and lost than turnover margin so Kirby Smart says for us it's about the number we get compared to the number we give up it's that differential and Smart said last year they were behind just Ole Miss if you look at the number that's kind of mattered to me plays of 20 or more yards Ole Miss is also on top of that right now in the SEC there as well so one of the things that Lane Kiffin's proven very good at is producing these kinds of explosive plays kind of no matter how you define that how you draw it up Kiffin's been pretty good at that and this is an area in which I think right now Georgia just needs to be much better if Georgia's going to take steps towards being that elite dominant team thus far through four games probably hasn't been I don't know there's anything that would sort of speak to the opportunity to take steps in that direction more so than these kind of plays of 20 or more yards let me give you a couple of numbers here that sort of backs this point up Georgia right now just fifth in the SEC of plays of 20 or more yards just 32nd national in those types of plays there as well so right now Georgia's kind of lacking in that category just you know four teams in the SEC better than they are 31 teams in the country better than they are at producing those explosive plays so how do you go out and get those on Saturday against a team like Auburn I think the thing you got to do is find a way to hit the deep strike down the field something that Georgia tried to do a couple of times last week and came up for various reasons just a little bit short on but Kirby Smart also this week talked about Carson Beck right now and his ability to connect on some of those deep throws down the field once again uh, this is what Kirby Smart said about that I think he's done a good job I mean we had the one drop I hated it for Aaron he works really hard on it he spends extra time at the practice he's probably out there now uh, doing it because he had an opportunity to grab it um, he, he probably overthrew Jackson a little bit but Jackson will tell you he didn't you know he didn't extend the play uh, probably like the other guys did it's different timing with different receivers um, and probably put too much air under instead of hitting him right on the stride but um, I think he's done really well with the deep balls I mean I really do I, I don't listen to the noise out there I think we've missed a couple because they've been covered um, he's overthrown a couple but a lot of that is uh, the aim and the like are, are we leading the receiver to the open grass or are we throwing it to a landmark um, and there's difference in the two and sometimes it's quarterback sometimes it's the receiver but uh, we'll continue if we can run the ball well 
to have opportunities to take shots down the field. I think a lot of what Smart says there is obviously true, and it's pretty insightful in terms of how a coach perhaps evaluates one of these just sort of basic things that we can kind of all see with our own eyes. And I think that's pretty interesting there from Kirby. But to go back to the point that I was making a moment ago about why you know this is an area that I think gives you a little bit of concern for Georgia right now, just fifth in the SEC in plays of 20 or more yards down the field and just 32nd nationally. When you look at the two teams at the top of the SEC right now, Ole Miss and LSU, there are very big differences in the schedules that both these teams have played. Georgia has uh, what, uh, I think it's, 23 uh, I think it's 23 plays of 20 or more yards uh both LSU and Ole Miss are like into the 30s there on that but in the case of Ole Miss they played a ranked two-lane team on the road and they've played two power five teams in addition to that LSU's played a total of three power five teams here thus far and yet they are still producing far more explosive plays than what Georgia has thus far this season Georgia's played three non-power five opponents here this year two group of five teams an FCS team so Georgia's had the softest part of its schedule here thus far already and yet they have not been quite able to use that to produce an explosive play rate near the top of the conference even though the teams who are at the top have played much tougher schedule so this is one of those things that I think you need to really have your eye on on Saturday. We've said it before. Sometimes football can be a simple game, and I'm get glad when it is because I'm not always smart enough to know and understand complicated things. But explosive plays lead to points, and points lead to wins. When Georgia played its only other SEC opponent here this season, they only scored 24 points. That's a far cry from the level of success that Georgia's had scoring against SEC teams in both of its national championship seasons. And if you want to judge how well Georgia is – at producing the kind of 20-plus yard plays we say they need. Watch that final score for Georgia on Saturday. Sometimes it is simple as this. Can Georgia get into the 30s on the road against Auburn on Saturday? If it can, that means it's heading in the right direction. And the level of elite play and dominance that we all want to see Georgia show, perhaps this is an example that they're moving in that direction. And if they fall short of that, then it's one of those things you can really circle as one of the issues holding Georgia back right now. There's going to be a lot of evaluation in other words about this Georgia offense on Saturday can they make some big strikes down the field can they make it a little easier on themselves find that explosive play rate that gives them a chance to pile up some more points that is around the doghouse presented today by our friends at serve pro and speaking of making it easy on yourself if you find yourself in a tough situation fire damage you've had water intrusion if you looked around your property whether it's the home you live in or maybe a rental property that you use for some passive income or perhaps it's a commercial property that you house your business in if you see a big mess, if you see damage that needs to be repaired and fixed and cleaned up, this is where the restoration specialists of ServPro are going to become very important to you. And you need to reach out and find them today online at ServPro.com. Because when the folks from ServPro, those restoration specialists come out, they're going to fix your mess, put it all back together like it never even happened. Whether it's water intrusion or fire damage or anything like that, ServPro is all over that for you. So please find them online. It's ServPro.com. You can spell it S-E-R-V. ServPro.com. Their restoration specialists want to give you a great cleanup and put everything together back for you like it never happened each and every surpro franchise also independently owned and operated there as well that means you are doing business with someone who's got a vested interest in the outcome just like you do so great people doing good work find them online today servepro.com okay as promised before we're done it's a little bit from dylan riola on a couple of hot topics as it relates to uj recruiting including the decommitment of NICAR earlier this week. We'll also talk to our next guest about that there as well and so much more. Great to get insight from Terrence Edwards here today on Dog Nation Daily. 
presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. The great former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards joins us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp today. And Terrence, I was just talking before you joined us. You know, to me, one of those areas in which I think that Georgia needs to show improvement, and there's a lot of different ways you could define this or slice it up, and I'm not saying my way is better. I'm just saying it's simpler for people to understand, certainly simpler for me to understand. It's those plays of 20 or more yards. Right now, Georgia's just not producing those at a similar rate to what it did a year ago, and it's played three of the easiest opponents it's going to play already this season already you know this year and so from that standpoint things get a little tougher especially going on the road to Auburn on Saturday what do you make of this team's ability to kind of find more of those explosives down the field and I guess a how much of a concern do you think it is and how much room for improvement do you see with this Georgia offense here right now yes I think that's been a a big question of why Georgia hasn't produced uh enough explosive plays and I think we have produced uh, not enough of them but we we produce uh, an amount that I'm satisfied with yes this weekend we missed on two opportunities to make explosive plays and I think the explosive plays is a little bit overblown in my opinion I, I if you just look at the offensive stats we are we are moving the football at a rate of 13 14 plays. Um, and we're getting into the red zone just before last week. We just wasn't able to put the the football into the end zone. So is it is it a big worry if we're getting to the red zone and not putting in? We can have explosive plays, and we're not putting in. So I'm not the biggest, like, I know we're talking about explosive plays, but it doesn't matter how we get to the red zone. If we, if we have 12 explosive plays in the game and get to the red zone and can't put the football into the end zone – does those explosive plays really even matter? My concern is is when we are getting to the red zone, however we get there, if it's two, three plays because we hit deep balls down the sideline or if we get 12-play drive, getting into the end zone, for me, is more important than talking about the explosive plays. No, I think it's an interesting point, and I guess the thing that I've come to believe about the red zone is is it is a little harder to score down there, right? It, it, the defense's job is made easier when the field gets smaller because they just have less green grass to cover. And so, therefore, to me, Terrence, one of the values of the explosives is, well, perhaps you get a chance to score without getting into the red zone because while Georgia was great last week at punching those tickets six for six in terms of trips to the red zone resulting in touchdowns, if you can score before you get to the red zone, then you've made the job of your offense a little bit easier because you know uh, a team like Auburn that perhaps have some limitations all of a sudden you know you know maybe they have a little bit of an, e- an easier task defensively when you're in the red zone because perhaps they think they know what you want to do schematically but also they don't have to worry about getting beaten over the top of their head and so therefore every other defensor, defensive player just made tougher because all of a sudden now he's moving to something in front of him as opposed to having to worry so much about what's happening behind him. Correct. You're absolutely correct that it's tougher to score once you get into a red zone because you don't have as much field to cover, and there's and the field is is strong. So you're definitely right about that. So my my question to a lot of people is when we talk about explosive plays, are we talk about 50, 60 yard touchdown balls, 50, 60 touchdown like because if if we get explosive plays, if we define it by 20 plus yards, if we are on our plus 40 and we get to our plus 30, we're in the friend zone now. So the field still shrinks. 
So we need those explosive plays as well. And I, I saw that last week we had our fair share of explosive plays. Um, but just throwing the football down the field is a very low percentage. I, I, I can consider explosive plays just a two-yard screen and we're taking it 25 yeah, yards. That's an explosive play. I think a, a lot of people think explosive plays is the two that we missed last week when Arian uh, dropped the one and he overthrew uh, Jackson Meeks. Uh, those are low percentage throws, people, and we should hit those. Uh, but I use this analogy all the time, even with my players. If you just go look at the one years of Tom Brady without Randy Moss, he, his, his explosive plays was very limited because he used the 15 yards and in. That's football, throwing, throwing dead routes at 15 yards, throwing comeback routes at 15. Once he got Randy Moss, he was able to throw the football downfield. But Throws down the field is very, very, very low percentage throws. Now, you do need those. You do like to hit one those once or twice a game. But realistically, how many times in the game do we get an explosive play where we throw it deep and hit a 50 to 60-yard bomb? It's not very many. So I'm looking at throwing the football 15 to 18 yards, and we can make a guy miss and get explosive plays. But I'm not in the, in the ballpark of trying to throw the ball 30 yards, 40 yards downfield and think we're not having an explosive play. Let me use this conversation way of transition to the defense because while you look back at last week, and I think folks thought, oh, it's a really good day for the Georgia offense, maybe not quite as good a day for the Georgia defense, but when I think about this Saturday at Auburn, as I kind of talked about and touched on before you joined us, I actually have a higher level of optimism, I believe, for what Georgia can do defensively on Saturday. You know, I expressed my little bit of concern there for the Georgia offense, but I think Saturday is likely to be a good day for the Georgia defense. And I think when folks go back and reconsider what that unit did second half against Spencer Rattler, that ought to mean something here. Um, How much are you, I guess, uh, in anticipation of this maybe being a breakout day for the Georgia defense? It'd be a good time for it to happen on the road at Auburn. Obviously, this is an Auburn team that is really limited and struggling, especially when it comes to its own passing game. Uh, How big of a day do you think Saturday could be for the Georgia defense? It could be a big day. Uh, You know, I'm not as as concerned uh, for our defense. Besides the one drive that UAB had in the two-minute drill, uh, that was a little concern that we allowed those guys to just move the football down the field and score, I think, a touchdown on that possession. Um, but you just got to think, man, we, we don't have, you know, Jalen is not there. Nolan is not there. Like, Keely is not there. We There's a lot of guys on that defense that's in the NFL right now. So we got a lot of guys that are that's in different roles right now. You have two and threes that are now one and twos that are – we do play a lot of guys, and they have played a lot of football, but being a starter compared to being uh, a backup or a third string is, is totally different. So uh, we're getting a lot of guys in, and, and one of your better players, Devon Bullock, is not in that in that backfield right now. So we, we, we can't dismiss uh, him not being there, and a lot of the guys have been injured. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of uh, Smile Mondays in there. We were playing a lot of freshmen, so we got a lot of guys that – is getting time right now that's probably normally wouldn't get as much time without the interest. But what it is doing is building confidence and building depth uh, for down the line when you do rotate three and four guys um, at a time. So uh, this is going to be a big game. Uh, Auburn, I don't care what their record is or how they're playing, we know what this rivalry means, and we got to go down to Jordan Hare Stadium and, and perform well. And I tell people all the time, this is probably the funnest stadium for me to play in because I love playing down at Georgia. Even before Tennessee, 
We didn't get to go to Jacksonville, but this is one of the stadiums that is electric, especially when they're their their mascots uh they have 12 mascots so uh when the, when, when the eagle when the eagle is going around the stadium and it swoops down it just give you chill bumps so uh the environment is going to be electric and these guys i think is going to step up i think the whole team is going to step up and just play the georgia football that we're accustomed to, to how team. how much do you think a game like this probably means to a guy like mikhail williams who are obviously after not playing last week we're certainly hopeful uh, that he's a full go for George on Saturday. I guess I anticipate that he will be. I hope I'm not disappointed about that. But a Columbus guy, you know, Columbus has always been this sort of split territory. A lot of Auburn fans live in Columbus. Uh, they don't want to be caught dead living in Alabama, so they move to Columbus. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of Georgia fans in that West Georgia part of the state, they view the Auburn game as the biggest deal of them all. Uh, how big of a deal do you think a game like this is for a guy like Mikael Williams playing as close to home as he's ever going to play? Obviously, we hope he's healthy on Saturday. And Terrence, when he is, I just think he's a true game-changing player for Georgia. But for those Columbus guys like Mikael, what does a game like this mean, you think? I forgot about Mikael didn't play last week. So that's another guy that that's on that injury list that we're missing. And hopefully he will be back uh, for this week because we do need his, his talent and his leadership. But just being for Columbus, we know how close Auburn is to Columbus. And I'm pretty sure this is – he's going to have a lot of family and friends that would like to come and see this game that, that can't get up to Athens and can't, they can get down to, to Auburn and watch them play. And it means a lot because I do know a lot of Columbus guys that do go to Auburn. Um, and uh, this is a bragging rights for him and how close he is to uh, Alabama and to the Auburn Tigers. So – it's a big game for him. I think he, he's played in a lot of big games in his career, his young career at Athens, so he's going to treat this as another game for him. But I think when when I give you a little hint, when athletes say that, it's just not another game. It's, it sure. means a little bit more uh, for, for being so close to home and probably knowing so many people, probably some family members or close friends that are Auburn Tiger fans because they're so close. So it means a, it means a lot. So hopefully he's able to – play this week but we we definitely need his abilities out there a lot gets made in a week like this of georgia going on the road and the things you're doing to get ready for the game there were these talks about uh georgia's blowing out the speakers because they're playing the the crowd noise so loud during practice and this is one of those things where even though we make a pretty big deal about it i i think it is a pretty big deal at least from the best that i can tell i mean obviously we've seen you know opposing teams certainly wilt under the pressure caused by the georgia crowd the last couple of years and i've been to this stadium before many times i'm always amazed by how loud it can get i do think it creates an energy that has to be accounted for terrence you played a lot of opposing stadiums and frankly your era of georgia football y'all were really good at winning road games at tennessee in 01 alabama in 02 auburn in 02 you guys you won uh, uh a lot of big road games that was something that your era of georgia football was very good at but how tough is it for your position wide receiver positions across the board how tough is it to kind of block out the 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 noise and block out what the opposing crowd's trying to do to mess you up and go out there and be at your best and kind of unfriendly confines how tough is that for a football player it's very tough it's tough and i can say this it's kind of easier for the wide receivers uh because uh most of the game now is not called in a huddle it's signals so we can see the signals and every wide receiver anybody lines up on the outside should be looking in into the ball so they can see the ball snap even if there's not a snap count. Now for the offensive line, 
Um, the communication is very key between those guys from the quarterback and, and the running back for pass protection. If they, any checks have been made, uh, the, the, the communication is key. Um, that's why you have a lot of nonverbal communication if, for these types of games because it is hard to hear. And we saw last year, I think it's either last year or two years ago against Arkansas, how many false start penalties that we had because of the fans were so loud. Um, so the, the communication and nonverbal communication is going to be a key, especially for the interior linemen, quarterbacks, and the running backs. But it's also the thing of, like in 2019, Georgia got up, what, 21 nothing here, and Auburn scores a couple of touchdowns, and now they're driving for a chance to tie it lay, and the crowd's really into the game. The thing that the crowd does for me is, and I'm curious as a player how much of this you really feel, maybe it just sort of seems more true than it is, but it seems like it creates sometimes a level of momentum where once a good thing happens, then another good thing seems to happen, and then some, then something else good seems to happen. And we have a couple of examples of that for Georgia at Auburn. It's beginning of the game in 2017 where everything just sort of piled up again. Georgia went down the field, drove down the field, and scored first. Then after that, it was just like one good thing after another from Auburn, and they kind of piled it on because of what it looked like momentum built at the beginning of that game. And in 2019, it was more momentum kind of in the second half where the crowd had actually been pretty quiet in the first half. Then by the second half, now they're really into it. And it seemed like Auburn suddenly had a chance that it did not really feel like it had prior to all of that. That's the thing that I feel like I noticed. And I'm curious as a player how much of this feels real to you too, that when the crowd mixes in with what's happening during a game, all of a sudden there is this quite palpable sense of momentum that becomes very difficult to deny. Oh, most definitely. Momentum is a key. Um, and the fan base is, is a big part of that, along with the players on the field. So once the players is into the game, the crowd is into the game, you can feel the energy in the stadium kind of changes a lot, especially when momentum changes. So as, as a opposing player, either offensive defense, you have to do something to quiet the crowd. And sometimes every player is looking at the next player, like who's going to make the play? And they don't want to make the play. Uh, I was a type of player that I, I love it. I love that. Give me the ball. Give me the opportunity to, to quiet this, this crowd down uh, because momentum is a key. You have to break that momentum some type of way, but allow teams to to use that momentum for their own special players, use it for their own motivation, then it, it, it's hard to stop. So we have to not give them momentum. Football is a, is a ebb and flow. Things are going to happen. But if they do get momentum, somebody has to step up and make make a play to stop the crowd and stop the players. I want to finish with this. Uh, it probably hasn't gotten as much attention as it otherwise would get because we're obviously very busy right during the middle of a season here. But uh, Georgia had a uh, recruiting setback this past weekend when four-star wide receiver Nykar, who is having a sensational season for uh, Cockwa County, when he decided to step back and step away from his UGA commitment, he's actually going to visit Auburn on Saturday, ironically. And you've heard rumors of like Miami being heavily involved here, perhaps Florida State too. Obviously, Moultrie very close to Tallahassee. And Terrence, for a lot of Georgia fans, this kind of brings back up what is probably that lagging issue for UGA of winning with the very best wide receiver recruits like what do you make of this situation here right now a guy like Carr who after being a Georgia commit became a really a pretty prized prospect based on the way that he played now kind of stepping away here more of a spotlight on what Georgia still needs to do with this position not to say the guys like Nitro Tuggle who Georgia has commitments from can't be good players but but you know this is kind of a persistent talking point for a lot of Georgia fans what did you make of the Carr thing this week 
I honestly think it's, it's, it goes to what you just said. He's actually really having a great senior year. We all knew what type of player that that he is. And, you know, him going from his junior year to his senior year, it's just different. I think he wants to enjoy the recruiting process. So, I mean, these kids, and uh, they love the, the attention that this, this recruiting process brings. And he's having a phenomenal year. So I think there's a lot of uh, schools that are just coming to him now that he probably didn't have. He probably had their offers, but he probably didn't have them texting him every morning, just giving him the attention that he probably was, was seeking that he didn't have before. And I don't think this has anything to do with the NIL or anything. I just think this person, I don't know, this is just my personal opinion, just from afar. I just think it's, it's the attention that, it's, that he's getting now because he is having a great senior year. Now coaches is going back, re-watching his tape. Now there's like, man, this guy is, is really changed uh, our thought process from a junior to a senior. Now he's just being courted more than he was before. That's my personal opinion. I don't have any inside knowledge. I don't think it's NIL um, at the end of the day that, that can be. But I just think now uh, it's, the, it's the courtship that he's seeking more than anything else. Terrence, great stuff. Terrific insight. We certainly appreciate that. Thank you for being a part of our program here today. And if people want more from you, I know you're you know, tweeting throughout the weekend, watching these games and stuff like that, and also uh, sharing insight on the uh, work that you're doing with the next generation of pass catchers. How can folks find the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy online? Again, before I say that, I'm, I'm going to make this clear again, B.A., because I did tweet a lot of fire mobile stuff. People, please believe that is a sarcastic sure. trolling of all the other people because I, you, everybody know I believe in, in Bobo. So that is a, a lot of sarcastic. I asked some people, sure. do you really want Bobo fight? No, I do not. There's a lot of trolling, a lot of being sarcastic. For but sure. for all the people that, that are looking to uh, get their kids training, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards, wide receiver cat. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Appreciate your insight. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So you hear Terrence Edwards talking about NICAR there. In a moment, you're going to get a chance to hear what Dylan Riola said about NICAR's decommitment last night. We'll play that for you here on our show. Prior to that, though, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Of course, we are so excited about our Dog Nation cruise in April. And one of the things that when we kind of got together and said, hey, new Dog Nation cruise for 2024, we want to make it bigger, we want to make it better, we want to do some new stuff. And I said, for all the new things we want to do and all the cool new things about being on board Allure of the Seas, wonderful Oasis class ship and all that kind of stuff, there are some things that don't need to change. We need to make sure this this crew still goes back to perfect day Coco Cay. You better believe uh, the kind of sort of hallmark moment of these Dog Nation cruises right there, perfect day Coco Cay. You know, B.A. loves perfect day Coco Cay uh, to go third person for a moment. That's going to be a part of our Dog Nation cruise here in 2024 there as well. We want you to be a part of it. We already had hundreds of folks sign up. It's going to be the biggest cruise we've ever done, and we want it to be the best cruise ever, which means we need you to ha- be on board with us to make that happen. So please go to the website. It is royaldogs.com. That's royaldogs.com. Jessica Slater, great travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. It's put a special website together called royaldogs.com to give you all the information you need to know 
of the Dog Nation cruise in 2024, leaving out of Port Canaveral in April, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, perfect day, Coco Cay, is going to be an amazing experience. Now, speaking of amazing experiences, I'm going to begin our SEC through and cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, by talking about something that takes place outside the SEC. But certainly plenty of SEC fans, including Georgia fans, have had reason to laugh and have some fun with this. So Lou Holtz has fired back now at Ryan Day for Ryan Day's war against Lou Holtz, saying, I wonder where Lou Holtz is uh, after uh, Notre Dame lost to Ohio State on Saturday. And Ohio State successfully punched it in from about a yard out when Notre Dame only had 10 players in the field. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, Ryan Day called out Lou Holtz, and Holtz has fired back. And to Holtz's credit, at least based on the text of this, he's not backing down. He says, Ryan Day does not want to talk about Michigan. He's 0-2 against them. He doesn't want to talk about the big game coming up against Penn State and against Michigan again. He's just a great coach. He's done a tremendous job. He's a great offensive mind, and Ohio State's a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team, though, and he can go after me all he wants. Lou Holtz, I mean, talk about somebody who's worth waiting for. All those years late night on ESPN when he wasn't saying anything, all of a sudden now Lou Holtz is just firing off bangers one right after another. Like, when I'm 86 years old, this is what I hope I'm doing. I hope I'm just just taking shots at coaches left and right and just out there, just whatever. Like, this is great. And Lou Holtz is winning. Ryan Day may have won the game barely against Notre Dame last week, but Lou Holtz is winning the war of words because he's telling the truth. This is absolutely right. And this is something that Georgia fans remember too. A lot of Georgia fans have kind of wondered, why has Ohio State been whining about Georgia for a darn near full calendar year now? Why, why are they doing this? And I think that there's always like an ulterior motive that drives almost anything. And for Ohio State and Ryan Day in particular, it's simply this. Ryan Day would much rather his fans talk about, in their mind, almost beating Georgia. Oh, we came close against the national champs. That is a much more favorable conversation for the Buckeyes, Ryan Day believes, than the other conversation they would be having if not for that, which is the fact they are not coming close against Michigan. So when Ryan Day goes and cuts that promo on Lou Holtz, I wonder where Lou Holtz is right now. When he does stuff like that, that's his way of saying to his own fans, please don't talk about the fact that we've come up so short against Michigan two years in a row. Jim Harbaugh doesn't even want to be in college football. He's flirted with the NFL openly as much as he possibly can. Can't quite get the job that he wants, so therefore he's sort of stuck at Michigan. And even with him somewhat half interested in one foot out of the sport, he's still beating up on Ryan Day at Ohio State. And Day does not want to talk about that. So he'll create this sort of Ohio against the world mentality and use Lou Holtz as the punching bag, 86 years old. He'll you know complain about Javon Bullard in Georgia because even though he lost that game, at least it was close. You know, that's the thing that Ryan Day wants to talk about. He does not want to talk about Michigan, and Lou Holtz is 100% correct about that. Speaking of uh, bold claims from less-than-young folks, Paul Feinbaum has also stepped up to say, in light of recent events, that he would not be surprised if Dan Lanning became the next coach at Alabama. And this, to me, seems probably about right. It's interesting you know, the, you know, when is Nick Saban going to retire stuff has been out there for a long time, obviously. And Saban, to his credit, has never really given us much reason to take it too seriously until now. We'll see where this goes from here. But uh, Feinbaum says, yeah, I think that Lanning could be the guy. And some of this is about the fact that, A, Alabama's just desperate to be Georgia because Georgia has right now and Alabama used to have. And even, you know, a, you know, a former defensive coordinator from Georgia right now feels like the kind of thing that probably feels like an improvement, fresh dose of energy for an Alabama program that could desperately use some of that. But the other thing that's going on here is, is that 
this is not just about like who might get the job a la dan lanning it's also about who you don't really hear about anymore like at one point in time when Clemson was beating Alabama for national championships, the former Alabama player Dabo Sweeney, the Alabama graduate Dabo Sweeney, was sort of seemed like the most obvious choice to replace Nick Saban, right? And it was even almost a little bit of an attempt to like troll Clemson fans to bring that up of, well, you listen, he may win national championships for you, but you're just training him up to replace Nick Saban, and he's going to come get Alabama, and then he's going to start beating you again. But at this point in time, that's not the kind of coach that Dabo Swinney really is. Uh, he lost again on Saturday to Florida State. They perhaps have more losses coming before the season comes to an end. And at this point in time, I'm not even quite so sure that Dabo is really even a candidate for the Alabama job anymore because I'm not really quite so sure Alabama fans would receive him just based on the way that things are currently going at Clemson. So when you see the rise of a guy like Dan Lanning, some of this is related to the, the open position to be the next hot name to replace Nick Saban is just left open by the fact that a guy like Dabo Swinney has sort of receded into a view uh, so much uh, because of the fact that Clemson's not winning right now. By the way, more on Clemson here in a moment. Let me also mention this, that we briefly mentioned this at the very end of yesterday's show. I wanted to circle back on this because when we were doing our SEC through yesterday, we weren't aware of this. Uh, it came out during the program, but Connor Wegman, the A&M quarterback, is going to miss the rest of the season. Max Johnson will be his replacement. Johnson played a pretty good bit last week against Auburn. He did you know, okay. You know, Johnson's obviously got a lot of starting experience in the SEC, former LSU quarterback. And this to me is a reminder of a couple of things. Thing number one is this. In the SEC, backup quarterbacks matter. There's always going to be media types who are trying to like sort of stir up quarterback controversy and things like that. But ultimately, the role that a backup quarterback plays is not to unseat the starting quarterback because of a coaching decision. That actually doesn't happen all that much. Uh, but the role the backup quarterback ultimately ends up playing is hey, when we lost a quarterback due to injury, can we turn to somebody else and can that guy play for us at a very high level? Well, at least based on experience and expectations, A&M has about as good a backup quarterback as perhaps anybody in the SEC has here right now, at least on paper based on you know previous track record performance. We'll see if Max Johnson now moving forward can truly play that way. I think that Johnson's a, an important player for A&M here. And, you know, we've talked about this that A&M did not look particularly good losing to Miami but you do have the chance if you're Texas A&M to shake that off playing Arkansas on Saturday very weird rivalry game won in sort of strange fashion by A&M a year ago one of the few wins A&M had of any note last year came against Arkansas this probably sets up to be a pretty strange game again on Saturday but if if A&M can win it and if Max Johnson can play well in doing so at least well enough in leading the Aggies to the win then you're reminded that A&M is still a factor in this SEC West race. They've played Alabama close before. They've beaten Alabama. They beat LSU a year ago. That A&M, as crazy as it sounds, based on the relatively you know, uninspiring start they've gotten off to the season, can still be a factor in this SEC West race, and we'll see what role Max Johnson plays in all of that. I mentioned Dabo Sweeney a moment ago with Clemson. Keep in mind here, too, that – there are persistent rumors out there that Clemson is looking for a way out of the ACC. We're not doing a ton of conference realignment stuff here right now because I don't think you care all that much. There's been so much of it. It's kind of a glut of chatter that most fans have kind of rejected. But if Clemson finds a way to leave the ACC, that will be a big enough deal that it's worth discussing. And it seems like the obvious landing spot's the SEC, and perhaps that's what's going to happen. But there are still plenty of people who will tell you, and I believe rightly so, the SEC is already in South Carolina, 
it's not a very big state and it's a state split by two major college programs one of those is already in the sec the same way there's already a program in florida and in georgia and in kentucky these schools where the acc has a home there is already an sec school in place there in every spot except for north carolina of course in other words clemson's obviously a program with some cachet and clear value i don't know that value necessarily exists for the sec maybe it does uh, perhaps there are business considerations that i'm not aware of i'm certainly sure there's a possibility for that but it seems like to me if clemson really does find its way out of the acc they are a better potential landing spot for the big 10 than they are for the sec if i had to guess and i do think that's one of those things the sec has to be aware of is we like the sec as a southeastern conference we like a geographically located conference none of us want that to change at least for the most part but when the big 10 takes steps to become a national conference going out west you know going to the sort of rocky mountain region now potentially coming south if that's what happens you know that's your competition right now and they are getting bigger and bigger in college sports right now means more lucrative and money leads to success sometimes on the field at least it makes some success a a little bit easier this is one of those stories that i do believe sec fans should watch does the sec want clemson and if it doesn't what does a big 10 coming south mean for the battle between the sec and the big 10 for college sports supremacy i think some of this is too early to know but keep your eyes on that and then finally i'll squeeze this in here very quick uh yesterday we had news of a change coming to the sec this is a little bit deep in the weeds and to the average fan this doesn't matter very much but it matters a great deal to kirby smart when you go on the road for sec games you are limited with your travel roster size you may have 85 scholarship players but you can only take 70 of them on the road for sec games and so tomorrow uh when georgia was going to auburn that was the expectation that most of us were operating under that to be 70 once again but we found out yesterday that the, the new number is actually 74. Four additional players can travel to SEC away games than in the past. And some of this probably helps you on the field if you really get to your 71st, 72nd, 73rd, or 74th player in terms of injuries, whatever else. I think there's also a degree here, and coaches probably don't want to say this too much, but I believe it's true. Some of this also benefits in terms of keeping guys happy. There's nothing that kind of shows you your lack of standing within a program any quicker than, hey, we're going to so-and-so game and you're not going. And a place like Georgia, there are some tough choices made there of players who are perhaps near the end of the roster who are not quite ready yet to make that road trip travel roster. And that's a pretty big blow to your self-esteem and everything else when you're watching the game on TV and perhaps seen on social media, not traveling with the team. Folks back home ask the question of, hey, what's going on? How come you're not going to wherever? It creates some sort of unnecessary roster upheaval from time to time. And four additional players may not solve all of that, but it certainly takes some tough choices. It makes them a little bit easier here, though. So Georgia will benefit here from four additional players able to travel to Auburn, and perhaps the rest of the league will benefit from that there as well. We will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before I give you a chance to hear from Dylan Riola on with Jeff Sintel last night, on uh, before the hedges let me also give a shout out here to uh, precision garage doors there as well it's about a five-star reputation for excellence has been well earned because of the stuff they do to take care of folks around the atlanta area just like you 
providing on-time service. Phones are answered 24-7 all the time, making sure you can always get in touch with a garage door replacement or repair specialist whenever that need arises for you. That's what they're all about there. So when it's time to either replace your garage door, perhaps it's just a simple repair, it's Precision Garage Door that you want to keep in mind because they're a dog nation's choice to get that job done for you. So please find them online. Uh, It's PrecisionDoorGeorgia.com to request a quote today. That's PrecisionDoorGeorgia.com. It's a neighborly company uh, taking good care of folks. Precision Door Georgia. You need garage door repair. You need one replaced. You want it to look better. You want it to sound better. That blah, 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 blah noise. You don't want to hear that. Precision Door is going to make sure none of that happens for you. So check out Precision Garage Door online. PrecisionDoorGeorgia.com. And of course, speaking of the state of Georgia, uh, that's where Dylan Riola now calls home, playing high school for Buford here right now. And last Friday night on Peachtree TV, had a great opportunity to watch Buford get a big win against Marietta, very impressive in doing so. And the guy who really showed out in the game was KJ Bolden. Bolden, the Florida State commit, a two-way star for Buford, terrific safety, also at the high school level, a wonderful wide receiver. And we kind of had some fun before the game last week about the fact that uh, Bolden wanted to be known that he was wearing some Georgia gloves. Now, some Georgia fans are kind of on guard against stuff like this, that apparel doesn't necessarily mean anything. I would say for the most part, that's typically true. But it was at least fun to see Bolden kind of giving Georgia a shout out before the game here last week. And uh, last night on Before the Hedges, Riola, the Buford quarterback and the Georgia quarterback commit, talked about the the gloves for Bolden and kind of where things stand with his high school teammate, KJ, right now. This is what Dylan Riola told Dog Nation about that last night. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I had an idea he was going to pull him out this week. Um, Thursday, normally everybody wears what they're going to wear to the game just to you know, get comfortable. And he came out them on Thursday practice and, I asked him what was going on. He said, I'm rocking the Georgia gloves on TV. I said, shoot, let's go. And, you know, he bought out in them. And uh, I think it's just pretty funny that, that that people noticed that. So Rilo thinks that's funny. I also think it's interesting that, that Bolden made a point to make sure he did that on TV, showing off the Georgia gloves. Now, there are some UGA fans who in response to all this will say, oh, I don't care, I've moved on. Uh, I don't want anything to do with Dylan Riley. I should say with uh, K.J. Bolden. If he wants to go to Florida State, that's where he should probably go. That's what some Georgia fans might say. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's not the way I think you should feel. Watching Bolden up close and personal last week, he is a real deal prospect. And if Georgia could get him, you would definitely want him. Now, obviously, it's uh, you know far from certain right now about how realistic any chance Georgia may still have in this recruitment actually is. But it's one of those guys that I think you ought to keep a little bit of a candle in the window for because he is a real deal player there's also at least you know some mutual interest that still exists here uh Bolden did visit Georgia for the South Carolina game a couple of weeks ago that may not be you know altogether all that significant but it's also not nothing either so Bolden is still out there he is a Florida State commit we all know the uh, alleged reasons why uh, KJ is going there but I think this at least is worth watching to see where perhaps it evolves to. And if Georgia can circle back here on KJ and have another chance, interesting to hear Dylan Riola talking about that there. Also, on the subject we addressed with Terrence Edwards a little bit earlier, the decommitment of Nykar. If that impacts anybody personally, you would be led to believe it's Riola because I'm sure Dylan was looking forward to throwing the ball to Nykar. And while we say, hey, let's wait and see with KJ Bolden, maybe Georgia gets back involved. I don't think we're saying the same thing right now about Nykar car that seems like a ship that's probably sailed for UGA and how did this news land with Riola what did he think about it Dylan also told that to Jeff Sintel last night 
it hurt. It stung at first, um, knowing the kind of guy he was, um, kind of athlete he was, and, and what he trying to brought to this class. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I told him, you know, I actually sent him a text and I told him that, you know, it's, everything's going to be good, man. And, and I'm supporting him wherever he goes. So he's a great player. He's going he's gonna to do great things in the future. So, you know, it hurt. But, you know, we just got to go back to work recruiting um, some more wide receivers. But, you know, our two guys we got now are, are elite guys. So I feel comfortable about it. So interesting stuff there from Dylan Ryle. You can watch the full interview on the Dog Nation YouTube page. Of course, Ryle, one of the fun players to watch here, high school football in the state of Georgia. And speaking of fun high school football in Georgia, one of the fun matchups this weekend is Cartersville against Calhoun. That's going to be a really good game, great rivalry. Uh, can't wait to see all that play out. And speaking of our friends in Cartersville, I want to uh, give you some information about some really fun stuff coming to the Cartersville area in coming days and coming uh, weeks uh, in that Cartersville-Bartow County area. It's the West Fest at the, uh, the Booth Museum happening October 26th through the 28th. You can grab your cowboy hat and head over to witness the uh, gunfight at the OK Corral reenactment. It sounds actually like a really fun thing. Also live music, Native American dancing, delicious food trucks, and so much more. And plus, if you like monster trucks and things like that, you get the Evolution of Bigfoot exhibition beginning October 3rd at the Savoy Automobile Museum. That's a wonderful facility. I've seen that uh, several times before. Uh, incredible uh, facility right there in Bartow County. Really cool stuff. And to see uh, Bigfoot there is amazing there as well. Uh, also, Halloween right around the corner. You can have some tickets to the annual downtown Cartersville pub crawl October 27th and 28th there as well. Just $45. You get a beverage uh, at each of the 10 participating locations. A lot of uh, fun there. So check out only in CartersvilleBarto.com for more on that. That's only in CartersvilleBarto.com for a lot more on that. All right, a couple of golden shoes to wrap things up here on a uh, Thursday. We'll go ahead and show you the first one on the screen here. Uh, Jack likes in this to us. Uh, this is a pretty funny one. Uh, by the way, he gives us hashtag go for three and 23, which we love, but also reminding us that while Hugh Freeze acted like earlier this uh, week, he had no memory of Kirby Smart in 2017. Smart did something to him around that time that uh, perhaps Hugh Freeze should remember because at the time he was pretty upset about it. Jack sharing with us the story of when Trey Scott left Ole Miss to come to Georgia, Freeze was really mad and saying stuff like, we want coaches who want to be here and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so Jack had some fun with that, saying you may have forgotten this little nugget. It's the very uh, season that uh, Coach Hugh Freeze had so much trouble remembering. So very funny stuff from Jack on that. Hashtag go for 3 and 23 he gives us. We'll also give him a golden shoe in return. And then one more to give you here today for our golden shoe. Jason Scott, how about this? At the beach, the uh, traditional uh, blue can long drink, uh, finished long drink with the Georgia koozie, the American flag blowing in the ocean breeze there in the distance. You talk about somewhere I wish I was right now, enjoying a long drink with a Georgia koozie, looking at the beach, old glory flying in the distance. That looks like an amazing thing. And Jason Scott, very, very much worthy of a golden shoe for you there on that. Hope you're enjoying that time, and we appreciate you sharing with us some good-looking picks there on that. Golden shoe indeed there. How about the lousy stinking Gators? Georgia back in Jacksonville, beating Florida again, coming up very soon. In fact, our Gator hater countdown sees 30 days from now. Georgia back there in Jacksonville, knocking off those lousy stinking Gators. That's fun to think about. We'll come back tomorrow, give you a final preview for Georgia-Auburn. We'll see you then. It's Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.